we exist? Were we created with a purpose? Or are we just here by chance? What are we to believe about life, faith, and worldview? Welcome to the universe next door, focusing on answers to the questions we all consider. This show is a ministry of the C.S. Lewis Society and supported by gifts of listeners just like you. Join us as we seek to see a generation captivated and transformed by the truth of Christianity. This is The Universe Next Door. Today we're going to be continuing our Cultural and Ethical Issues series. Uh, we're actually going to be touching on a topic that we did already uh, do an episode on about a month ago. We had Scott Klusendorf, who is like the guy uh, for pro-life arguments. We had him on in the beginning of June, so check out that episode if you haven't. I'll link it into the description. Uh, but we basically went through the main arguments for pro-choice, the pro-choice position, and we talked about what would happen when uh, Roe v. Wade was potentially overturned. Of course, at that time, it wasn't officially overturned yet. The drafts had been leaked and all that sort of thing, but um, until it actually happened, we couldn't be 100% certain. And so now that Roe v. Wade has officially been overturned, that is, of course, a reason to rejoice. That is a reason to praise God, and that is a reason to uh, be grateful that we have had Supreme Court justices put in place who did the right thing, who fought for truth, who fought for life, instead of taking the easy way out and being loved by the world. And so uh, I am incredibly grateful for that. I didn't I didn't know this would ever happen in our lifetime, so that's obviously a very exciting thing and a very exciting milestone, not just for the pro-life movement or any movement, but for life, for children, for 63 million children uh, whose lives have been taken through elective abortion. Obviously, that is a tragedy, and it is the basically the modern holocaust of our lifetime, and um, it is it is a reason to rejoice. But of course, those of you who know a little bit about this um, and have, have, I guess, kept up a little bit, know that this does not mean that the war on abortion is over. In fact, it has just started. And we now have 50 individual battles to fight. Not much has been done yet. So don't think because Roe v. Wade is overturned, everything's good and abortion is illegal and, and children are going to live. That is not the case. Uh, and we have tons of organizations, just to list a few, that I'm, I'm trying not to uh, do business with right now, like Starbucks, like Disney. There's a whole big list of them you can look up that are actually paying or potentially paying to send their employees to other states uh, to get an abortion and to kill their child. And so we are not in support of that. My wife and I canceled Disney Plus a little while back and some other things. But um, that's one of the things you can start doing. I wanted to talk about what we can actually do now that Roe v. Wade is overturned. And there's a lot that you can do. You don't have to have a giant platform. You don't have to be a leader in the pro-life movement uh, in order to do something about abortion. So that's one of the things you can do. Stop supporting people who are going to be for uh, abortion. Not not just that you have a difference of opinion, but that they're going to be actively doing things to kill babies. Don't support those um, if you can help doing so. I'm usually not a big boycott guy. It's just I don't I, I don't typically do that. My wife and I aren't. Um, really too into that. But this is something a little more serious and something that we actually want to do something. So um, if you can, that's one thing you can do is try not to support companies who are actively um, engaging in abortion and and promoting uh, abortion, especially by giving funds to it and paying for it. Number two, something we can do is we can have individual conversations with people. 
Now, that's something that we're going to be doing in this episode. In fact, I'm going to have my friend, uh, Dr. Christopher Gates, on in a few minutes here. He's been on a couple times in the past. If you have never listened to The Universe Next Door and this is your first or second time or whatever, uh, he's a pastor not too far from where we're located. He's in Newport Ritchie. Uh, and he also hosts a or co-hosts a podcast called Ravel. Um, so that's a really cool podcast. I'll link that in the description uh, below. So check that out, the Ravel podcast. He's been on a couple times, like I said. So uh, we're going to be getting into responding uh, to what we've been seeing, like mainly on social media, hearing from people, basically just what people have been saying from the pro-choice position. Uh, on the topic of abortion. And there's all kinds of arguments. Most of them are not new, but there's some new ones that are sort of popping up or some that uh, were not previously as popular that are more popular now that I think people are on the other side with Roe versus Wade being overturned. It's no longer we're arguing from some higher position. Now it's like, oh man, well, we're in trouble. We need to do something. So I think that's a lot of what we're seeing in the pro-choice movement. There's kind of like some alarms going off. I'm hoping this is sort of like the Titanic starting to sink uh, and this view is going to be gone one day. But for the time being, that's one of the things we can do and that we're going to focus on today is having individual conversations I mean, at the end of the day, anything that's voted on in this country is voted on by individuals. Uh, At least that's what I'd like to believe. So we want to change people's minds on abortion. One of the best ways to do that is by having actual conversations, being prepared to have those conversations. Make sure you're actually preparing yourself because if you show up to talk to somebody about such a hot topic issue, uh, it may not go well if you haven't done any preparation whatsoever. You may not even know what you believe, you'll find out. Um, So we want to be prepared to have these conversations and we want to convince people that abortion is wrong. In fact, one of the reasons that the universe next door exists is to equip people to be able to defend the faith, to be able to defend what they believe. And so obviously, uh, we are putting a huge emphasis on that. Make sure you're prepared. Thirdly, um, on the other side of not supporting companies who are going to be paying for abortions, we want to support pro-life organizations. Uh, There are many of them. There's Live Action, there's End Abortion Now, there's uh, Daily Wire just put out an awesome uh, documentary type thing. I I don't know if it's still free. It was free for a little while, but I just paid the $14 a month or whatever it is because uh, they have been putting out a lot of really good content that is certainly expressing uh, Christian Judeo values. So you can support pro-life organizations. You can either give to them. You can support them by consuming their content. You can pray for them. There's a lot of ways to support them. But give your support to pro-life organizations, uh, and as well as pregnancy centers. We support uh, here at my church, Countryside Baptist Church in Clearwater. Uh, we support the Bay, Bay Area Pregnancy Center and a bunch of others. We'll get into that later. But uh, support pro-life organizations. It makes a huge difference. These are mostly funded by people. Uh, they're religious organizations most of the time, and so they're not really government-funded for the most part. Uh, so your support makes all the difference as to whether or not they're going to be successful or not. Fourth, now this is something that I have personally done. Some people may not like it and think it's not a good idea. I do think it's a good idea. Uh, many times I have gone and I have protested at abortion mills. I have stood in front of them with signs. And in fact, the first time that I had ever done this uh, there was a man outside, and he was standing in the rain. It was, I, I found out later, a Catholic man. We had had some uh, conversations. and Anyway, I, I was driving by, and I saw him standing about uh, in front of this abortion clinic that I didn't even know it was there. It was kind of tucked away in the back of a strip mall, like a lot of them are. Uh, ironically, it's right next to a pediatrician, and so that's kind of disturbing that you have a pediatrician in one place who's helping children and saving their lives, and then right next door to it, you have basically 
a place where people go to end their children's life. So it is kind of an eerie place to be. But I saw this man standing out in the rain and I went out and joined him. He gave me a sign and we held signs there and protested. And uh, I had done so many times after that because of that encounter. And of course, that's maybe not for everybody. It's hard, but you know, I really think we should be doing it. You're going to have people uh, flip you off all the time. You're going to have them yell stuff at you. I've even had people roll down the window and, uh, of course, keep the bad words out of it and the expletives here, but they yell, oh, you're a terrible Christian. You're going to go to hell. And it's like, I'm standing out here trying to support you know, the saving of children's lives, and you're telling me I'm a terrible Christian. I'd like to know your grounding for that. But And oftentimes, they're like driving away as they're yelling. So they're like, you're a terrible person. You're going to go to hell as they fade into the distance. So there is that. Of course, you're going to be mistreated, but it does make a difference. There are so, so, so many stories of people going to pull into an abortion clinic, but they saw somebody convicting them, telling them, no, this is not the right thing to do. Your baby is a gift from God created in his image. It is life at the moment of conception. Science tells us that. And this is something that... So this is something we can do, not just to convict people about what's wrong, but also to encourage them to be a parent, to love and to keep your child who's created in God's image. Only the Christian can say that. You know, here at my own church, and as I'd mentioned, the pregnancy uh, crisis centers in the area and probably in your area as well, they are more than willing to help pregnant women and to help children. Um, If you are listening right now and you've been considering having an abortion or know somebody who is, speak to them about this. Don't don't be afraid to talk to them about saving their child's life. This is a big deal. Uh, There are people waiting to help them. The pro-life movement is waiting to help them. Churches are waiting to help them. So don't let them kill their child uh, thinking that nobody is there to help them because that is certainly not the truth. But that is the fourth thing is you can uh, you can protest abortion clinics, and I would highly encourage you to do it. As I said, it's not always fun, but it is helpful, and it does make a difference. So with those four things in mind, we're going to get into how to have conversations, some of the actual uh, arguments we need to be responding to from the pro-choice position. Uh, as I mentioned, I'm joined by my friend, Dr. Christopher Gates, and so let's get into it. Christopher Gates, welcome back. How are you? I'm well. How are you doing? Pretty Nicholas? good. How'd you like that introduction? Uh, it was good. <laughs> was it good? Was it sufficient? Uh, yeah, that that is my name. I'm assuming you might be doing something before this, but if we're just jumping right into it with uh, Christopher Gates, then what else can you ask for? Yeah, this is the part. This is just the part I needed your wisdom and conversation for because we are going to be answering uh, some of the most popular, I guess, pro-choice sayings and arguments today. Some of these are in the form of memes. Some of them are just in the form of uh, what we see all the time with people like posting on social media or saying, or even when you're at like a family dinner and somebody brings up the topic of abortion, which is a very mm. hot topic right now. And mm-hmm. it's like, what do I say? Yeah. Uh, so in a little bit of history lesson here, I remember when memes started. I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> you're older than i am but yeah yeah i i remember they started they had like good guy greg and they had like some other, uh-huh. they had like these they were these really generic like stock memes mm-hmm. and everybody yeah. would use them uh sort of the, kind of like they do with songs on tiktok today they'll take the same song and just keep using it over and over in different settings yeah a reappropriation if you will yes of the uh of the <laughs> if you will yeah 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 and i, w- I wouldn't have thought of that word because i don't have a phd yeah <laughs> But you do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, well, and by the way, 
we talked about his PhD dissertation uh, back in, I think it was April or May in our Resurrection series. So if you haven't seen that, it's called The Godforsaken Son, and it's really awesome. So check that out. Um, yeah, we did. And then uh, this is like my third appearance on here now. And I got you had me come on to talk with John Lennox with you, which was so fun. So um, thank you. Man. Yeah, that's uh, right. It's a blessing. It's uh, yeah, I really appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. That was a lot of fun. And it was a really cool opportunity that I was really hoping would work out. And it did. So uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Sure did. Anyway, so popular memes, arguments, uh, anti or no pro-abortion stuff, pro-choice stuff. The first one that I've seen, and this one, is, it is just so ironic, but the first one that I saw, this was probably a day or two after Roe versus Wade was overturned. I actually remember, I happened to see Roe versus Wade overturned like the minute that the Supreme Court posted it, uh, and I woke up at like 10 o'clock that day, and so I just happened to look at my phone, and it was literally like a minute or two after they posted it, so I was like, oh, that's exciting. Um of course, there's a lot more to do, as, as we'll get into later. But uh, So one of the first memes I saw a day or two after this was uh, a, a picture that said, don't forget to turn your clock back 50 years before bed tonight. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, so, and of course, the, the thrust of that is supposed to be women's rights are going back in time, um, and a woman's right to kill her child is now in jeopardy. Uh, mm-hmm. Which it actually isn't yet. I wish it was, but it isn't yet. We're going to be pushing for that and working for that. There's a lot to do. Uh, but what comes to mind when you hear this meme about uh, setting the clock back 50 years before bed? Uh, well, I suppose it's all just in how you grapple with the issue. I mean, uh, some people would say this is actually uh, an advancement in uh, kind of the interpretation of the Constitution, which is, I believe, you know, kind of the the thrust of that uh a uh, little comment, I guess, that's being made there is that we are going back to a time pre-Roe, uh, where pre-Roe, um, you know, the issue of abortion uh, was kind of left up to the states, and then it was uh, ended up being uh, recognized in whenever it was at 72, I think. Uh, I don't know specifically. I think it was 72. Uh, and then it was kind of recognized somehow as a constitutional right through the interpretation of the Supreme Court justices at that time. Um and, th- you know, I guess, I guess the, the question really being is, are these rights, quote unquote, that we have, are they decided by the people or are they decided by, you know, nine people in, in robes or whatever? And it seems that at one point the interpretation by these people was that, yes, this is enshrined in the Constitution, the right to abortion. Um, and that was just carte blanche now for everybody in the United States of America. Whereas now what has happened with Roe v. Wade being overturned is the issue is it's not abortion is illegal everywhere. It is it's being sent back to the states in order to be voted on by the people. So you do actually your voice is not being taken away on the issue. You are being given more voice on the Mm -hmm. issue uh, than before. So uh, when I hear everybody saying, like, we're going back in time and we don't, our, our, you know, fundamental right is being taken away. No, it's not being taken away. It's being, it's being sent back to you to affirm it through the democratic process of voting. So that's, when I hear something like that, I'm thinking, I don't really, you know, I don't really know. It's a really difficult, uh, it's a really difficult 
subject to say is covered in the U.S. Constitution, that the founding fathers were thinking about abortion being in there. Even, you know, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg had commented that the foundation of Roe v. Wade was pretty shaky, that it was based on some very liberal interpretation of the Constitution. So uh, I don't think we have gone backwards by any means. I think it is actually kind of a step forward in recognizing "Mm, maybe this thing got pushed through the same sort of thing. It just really depends on what side of the issue. If you're pro-life, then you're thinking it got pushed through, you know, on some faulty interpretation. And if you're pro-choice, then you're thinking it being overturned now has been pushed through on faulty interpretation. So um, I don't know. That's kind of where I'm at. I am, you know, pro-life. I love life. And babies. <laughs> and yeah. We both have, you uh, have sons. Yes, as do you that are yeah. about the same age. Um, and yeah, They're like a month apart. They just hung out the other day. They had a great time. They did. They did. They threw up on each other. It was beautiful. It was so beautiful. <laughs> so that's that's what I think. I don't, I don't think we've uh, gone back in time. I think that we are. I think it is actually a step forward and everybody should do their best to look at it like that. The the Supreme Court did not take authority on this issue. They actually handed the authority back to the states and back to the people. So uh, it's a good thing, mm-hmm. I think, all around. Make your make your voice known. Go out and vote. Yeah, and I'm I'm somebody who's an advocate of women's rights, both uh, outside and inside the womb. So this is a huge win for the women in the womb who have uh, less rights than anybody on the earth. And so uh, mm-hmm. that's definitely a huge win. And also, like th- th- the first thing I thought when I saw this is that if I could set my clock back 50 years and save 63 million lives, I wouldn't hesitate to do so. I mean, while we're setting back the clock, we may as well just go before the Holocaust, maybe go back before slavery, go back before the Inquisition, just keep going. I mean, if we have the power to do that, uh, I'd Mm -hmm. like to talk to this guy and see how he's setting back time, but I'm interested in that. Where would be the... (laughs) <laughs> the best place, uh, perhaps back before right. the fall, and we could all just avoid sin altogether forever and ever. Uh, yeah. Right. Let's keep going. Yeah. yeah. So don't turn your clock back 50 years because there's no reason to do that otherwise, unless you're going to be saving people's lives. So that's that. Well, the second one, uh, this is now we did cover this a few weeks ago with Scott Klusendorf. If you haven't listened to that episode, check it out. Um, and he, he did a very good job at that. So uh, we're going to revisit this again because it's everywhere. Uh, in fact, there's a church. Uh, well, they call themselves a church. I don't call them a church, but it's, it's down the street for me. And um, on their sign, they're always posting like super provocative leftist slogans. Um, I'm always tempted to post provocative stuff at my church on the sign, but we don't normally do that because we're not we're not Are just trying to guy? provoke people. Are you the sign? Uh, guy? I, well, we we work as a team. We okay. work as a team, and my pastor is certainly not shy about uh, biblical beliefs, and and we have done that before when it's necessary. So we're thinking about doing something like that. But we we only tr- we try to provoke people toward the gospel, um, and these issues do need to be talked about when somebody says something like well we we want to stay out of these issues and out of quote unquote politics not that murder is boiled down to politics but you know that's not what the prophets and the apostles did uh they like if you look at basically any prophet or apostle in the old or new testament like they're always going after the main issue of the day like they're they're always tackling the thing that needs to be brought up and think about how many times Jesus who's depicted as just this nice happy go lucky guy who would never offend anybody he how many times he says woe to you you hypocrites like to the religious leaders of the day over and over and so there is a time and place for that as long as it's done in truth and in gentleness and in, it's appropriate 
Mm -hmm. Uh, But all that to say, they posted on their sign, and this is something you see everywhere, the womb-to-tomb story. The uh, You're only against abortion when you say you're pro-life. You're not actually for life because the implication is uh, pro-life people don't do enough for the adoption uh, industry. They don't do enough for foster care. They don't do enough for helping women. I mean, there's a few different ways to go after this, and I think we can kind of talk about both directions. The first one is, let's say I agree with somebody on every one of those areas. Let's say I agree. Yeah, I think that the foster care system needs uh, more care and some reforming. Um, I think there are tons of people waiting to adopt children who can't do it for various reasons. Uh, I think that, let's whatever, let's say we agree on all those things. That doesn't make murder okay. Like the argument for whether or not murder is okay is not what people do for somebody. It's that murder is wrong. We all agree on that, that murder is wrong. Um, And so that's one direction we can go. But the second direction is obviously we could get into those conversations. We could say uh, that the pro-life movement and specifically Christian organizations and churches have done far, far, far more than pro-choice people have. Uh, There are more abortion clinics or there there are more... uh, pregnancy centers in my area, crisis centers, then there are abortion clinics. And it was the same thing in Los Angeles the last I checked. And so um, you can see this all over the place. But yeah, there, there's a couple different ways to go about it. It's just, it's kind of a myth, but it's also like, it's sort of a red herring. They, they try to take you off the track and get into all these different issues. Uh, we also talked a few weeks ago about how uh, many say, well, there's going to be more poverty or the economy is going to be hurt or whatever. And we said, well, that's the argument that the Confederate used for slavery. If we release all of these slaves, well, then who's going to do our work and so on and so forth. So you might not want to take mm-hmm. that route. Uh, but anyway, with the womb to tomb stuff, this is obviously a big topic. It's something that comes up almost every time you're going to have a discussion with somebody about abortion. So uh, Dr. Gates, what say you on that? Yeah, well, you touched on it um, already, but I mean, when you just consider the issue by the numbers, and this is one of the ones that I hear the most often from people who are uh, pro-choice, and even some who are Christians who are pro-choice, and they say that, you know, it is the people who are uh, pro-life, you're not actually pro-life, you're anti-abortion, and you don't care about the baby after they're born. But when you actually look at the statistics on it, uh, Christians, evangelicals in the United States of America are twice as likely, more than twice as likely, to adopt children than any other demographic of people, evangelicals. So Christians are already doing twice as much work in adopting children as any other demographic. Then you have the fact that when it comes to newborns, uh, and this was, I just heard this, I think it's, I'm not, I'm pretty close on this, I think, but there's something, there's something close to 36 families per every one newborn that's being born that are waiting to adopt. And I have known many uh, myself personally who are on a list who have been either infertile, who struggled with that, or who have just, you know, wanted to adopt and you want a newborn because that's obviously the easiest way if you're going to be adopting uh, to have them their entire lives. You don't have to deal with all of that adjusting. It becomes uh, increasingly more difficult for children to be adopted the older they get because people don't want to deal with all the baggage that they're carrying around, going through the foster mm-hmm. system and all that. But, and you can talk about the issue of adoption and foster systems in, in that whole conversation, but it's really entirely separate from the abortion debate because if there is a newborn 
And if a mother and perhaps the father decide together that they're going to give that child up for adoption, it is going to be taken 100% of the time by a family who is making the conscious choice to adopt that child and provide a loving home for them. 100% of the time. There are far more families out there be it Christian or otherwise. I mean, you even have, you know, at at this point, I guess, you know, in most places, uh, LGBT folks are able to adopt in a lot of places too. So it's not just, I'm not even just saying it's Christians doing all of the work Um, in in a lot of ways. I mean, arguing for abortion, uh, people who are generally on, on the left are those who are advocates for LGBT rights and things like that. The only way they're getting a child, unless they have some kind of surrogacy or something like that, or they're already coming in with another one of their own biological children from some kind of heterosexual relationship, is through adopting. So there are many families out there who will take newborn children. You can get into all of the crazy statistics about kids being adopted well after they're born, and that is a whole nother thing. But even there, you still do have Christians doing twice as much work as any other demographic. So yeah, when I hear the thing about you only, you don't care about these kids after they're born, um, it's just like, show me the numbers. These are just talking points. These are just the the talking points that you, that you hear on the news where they want to paint with a broad brush that it's the left uh, that cares about, you know, the welfare state and all of those different things and taking care of people. And it's the right and the conservatives who don't want to give anything to anybody. And it's not true. And as you said, uh, there are all kinds of pregnancy centers. I just got to visit one here locally, uh, right down the street from our church, and uh, we will perhaps be partnering with them pretty soon. And they, awesome. it is impressive what they're doing there. They have uh, programs, they have parenting classes that they, if they have a mother come in, a pregnant mother, she decides to keep her child, they give her parenting classes. If the dad is still around, they give him parenting classes. They'll give them marital mm-hmm. counseling. They give them diapers. They give them formula. They, uh, in all kinds of ways in instructing them, they'll help them with housing if they need it, all kinds of stuff. What's it and called? It, it's all for free. That's the West Pasco Pregnancy Center. Um, it's right oh, up here there, by us. And if they're, uh, I don't know if they're a religious um, organization, but we partner with the Bay Area Pregnancy Center. We partner with, uh, and, and there's ton. There's there's Shepherd's Village, which takes in uh, single moms and gives them a place to live. There's New Life Solutions. There's ton of them just around our area. And the ones who are uh, religious based, obviously, are not really government funded. Mm-hmm. Um, like they would yeah. be otherwise. And so that's, that's yeah. And, and we support them. Churches support them. We mm-hmm. would never turn away. If a woman came here looking for help and saying, I want to have this baby, but I don't want to know what to do. I can't think of a single church that I've ever been associated with, been to, or know someone from who would say too bad, go somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, this is just a myth. Yeah. Yeah. We're just happy you're not killing it, but we're not going to do anything else. Yeah, I mean that's that's just very unrealistic. In fact, if we're doing ministry right, our whole our whole purpose is people's lives, not just now but for eternity, and so that's literally our focus. Um, yeah, and so yeah, and it's and you can also turn it around. You can say like. I mean, I I hate to even use this word because I know people personally who are victims in this category, but it's like I'm terribly against rape, and so are most people you're going to talk to. We say it's Mm -hmm. atrocious. I'm an advocate of invoking the Old Testament law on that, and that's capital punishment's a story for another day. We will hopefully do an episode on that. Um, I'm trying to work that out. But it's like, what if I ask somebody, well, you're not against rape unless you donate 
however, X, X amount of dollars a year to this foundation. And they say, well, I donate $500 a year. And I say, well, I think you should do 5000 And they say, well, I can't afford it. And I say, well, get another job because you're not actually against rape unless, <laughs> unless you do X, Y, and Z. And that's just, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like the category is, is murder. Like we're against murder regardless of um, all of these other things that, that uh, people may use to try to pull away from the main topic. I mean, murder is wrong. That's that's the bottom line. The unborn is a human being. Uh, there's no debate about that scientifically, and we'll we'll get into that later. I think in the in the last question, but yeah, um, yeah there's no debate about that. If if the unborn is life, then it has rights, just like you do. The woman in the womb or the man in the womb is no different than the forty year old man or woman. Absolutely. In terms and of yeah, their it, their value and dignity. Yeah. And it it is one of those things where I don't think that, and I don't think anybody would even hold themselves to this standard that in order to take a stance on a particular issue, I have to have every answer for every implication of that issue further on down the line. And not only that, but I actually have to be personally making sure that I'm doing something. I mean, there's a certain sense in which, yes, we should, you know, uh act out the things that we say that we believe but again <laughs> i mean i know lots i know so many christian families that have adopted children that have kids who are in need we myself and my wife we have you know a child living with us right now who's not our own and it's it's like i mean i see it all over the place and it really just is it is you can't just say oh well we're going to do this sinful thing because uh otherwise like there's nobody who's going to be able to take care of these kids so we may as well just off them <laughs> like there's nobody who's going to take care mm -hmm. of them so right. let's just kill them instead i mean it doesn't it's it's really it's really tough for me to to agree with that on any level or premise so anyway and again christians are doing a lot of work yeah and to practicalize this i don't know if i coined that term or if that's a you the phd is that a term Practicalize? Uh, don't think I've ever heard it, but I'll roll with it. It sounds good. <laughs> practicalize. Right. So to practicalize this, um, to practicalize, if somebody were to say something, like let's say you get in a discussion and they say, yeah, you know, I hate abortion, which is always a start. I hate abortion, but, uh, which by the way, you don't do with anything else. You don't say I hate rape, but I hate theft, but uh, we just don't do that. That doesn't mm -hmm. make any sense. But w let's say I hate abortion, but, you know, as we mentioned, uh, the foster care system is just a disaster, and I don't think anybody should be forced to be put in the foster care or, or the adoption system. I mean, a practical response, I, I think it's always helpful to ask a question. We're actually going to have Greg Kokel uh, coming up here fairly soon, and mm, so he's like fun. the king of the questions. But yeah. yeah, so I think it's helpful to ask a question, and you can say, well, do you think that the best solution to the problems you think the foster care system has is to murder all the foster care children? Because that's what you're saying. Why, why is a foster care child less valuable uh, when they're more defenseless and still in the womb? Why does that make them less valuable? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that's, that's what you're proposing is that we murder them because if it's a human in the womb and it's a human out of the womb, they have the same rights. And that's not a debatable issue, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, ask a question. I think asking questions, the same thing like, like we said with poverty. Well, uh, impoverished families are going to be troubled by this. And okay, well, then can they kill their five-year-old when they can't make rent? Like where where's the cutoff? <laughs> because yeah. you, I mean, we, we've gone through. I don't want to rehash all this because we've gone through another episode. But it's like, is it they're they're less valuable because of their size? Is it because of their level of development? I mean, I just turned twenty eight. I'm pretty sure that's around the time your frontal lobe finishes developing, and I haven't 
reap the benefits of you're that f- yet. You're but... a full a full human now, finally, Nick. <laughs> I'm now I'm finally you're fully a full human. human. Like, would you have killed me last year? Yeah, it's like, you know, so, so just responding with a question, I think, is always practical. Um, and it's always a good way to, when they're making a claim, which they don't realize they're making the claim that we should kill all the kids in the foster care system by that logic, but make them defend such an insane claim. <laughs> That's yeah. not something that we have to go through all these rabbit trails and take all the bait. Just why is it okay to kill children? That's that's basically the core of the question. Why is it okay to kill the unborn who are human beings, who are children with value? Yeah, yeah. We're going to make it to the scientific argument, and you've been just straight up calling it murder uh, from the beginning. And I'm sure that if there are people who are, you know, pro-choice, they're they're disagreeing with you. But we'll we'll get to that in just a minute. But just to kind of touch on again this whole idea of you know where evangelicals start to care, and you were talking about impoverished families, you know, and and having children. Uh, when, you know, in whatever circumstances. Uh, but what's, what's even more kind of astounding to me is that if you did reverse the clocks and you went back 50 years ago or whatever, what you would find is that we had uh, basically Judeo-Christian values still in our schools. Like, we were still teaching mm-hmm. children it was still widely acceptable like sex is something that should be reserved for the confines of you know a uh, uh, marriage a, right. a covenantal marriage and then more families were together yeah and then as you start to see prayer and religion driven out of the schools then you start to see less and less of these judeo-christian values so christians try to say to people you should avoid sexual intercourse until you are in a committed uh, relationship like marriage. And then they say, shut up and keep your religion and all of that stuff to yourself. And now we start to see more and more Mm -hmm. young girls becoming pregnant by young men who are impregnating them uh, because they don't have any sort of value system that tells them, no, this is a bad idea. We wouldn't even be talking about the issue of abortion if people were following biblical principles to begin with on how they ought to govern their sexual relationships. And we don't have that at all. So you drive a any kind of, you know, biblical foundation for sexual relationships outside and you say don't talk about that here and now we start to have a consequence of it and it's like don't force you know your religious stuff on me again what do you guys even care and the whole thing is just like we are trying at every step of the way at every step of the way we are trying to provide solutions and answers to this thing from a biblical perspective and you keep on telling us to shut up and the issue keeps on getting worse and no matter what sort of solution is offered anywhere along the way it it never seems to be good enough and then you just kind of start to wonder like what is really going on here (laughs) like what is really at the heart of this whole thing and i'm not going to speculate but that was the last thing i think it's important that we kind of move into the scientific uh element here before uh too much more time goes by unless there was another one you wanted to get to before that um no no i definitely wanted to to uh to move into that i was just going to um i was just going to read this one because it's interesting uh, it, it says if you <laughs> it's not really interesting but it's if you cut off my reproductive choice i'll cut off yours and so that's i mean i think that's obviously implying cutting off something that you use to reproduce now Mm -hmm. the irony is i'm going to coin another term it's ironical that uh that when they say this this is actually what 
they're already many people are already doing to their children. They're saying, "I'm going to cut off my child's reproductive organs." And if you have try to have a say in that, well, then that means you're uh, you're anti-trans, you're anti-fill in the blank. Mm. And so it's funny that they're already doing this to children. They're already cutting off their reproductive organs or turning them inside out. And so uh, we obviously don't advocate that. But if you cut off my <laughs> reproductive joys, I'll cut off yours. What do we What do we say to that? I don't know if we're going to hear that out loud, but you're certainly probably going to see it on the internet. Well, it, no one's interfering with anybody's reproductive choice you everybody has a choice to reproduce the natural consequence of sexual intercourse is pregnancy it has been for all of human history it has been in the entire mm -hmm. biological world we see it everywhere when you have sex that's not a new thing no no it's not it's been happening forever <laughs> when you have sex oh i misunderstood yeah 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 so when you have sex you have babies no one is messing with your reproductive choice you have a choice to engage in sexual activity with somebody else the natural consequence of that i mean and there are all kinds of ways to prevent it uh, the, there's, you know, the rhythm method, even if you don't want to be on birth control and people talk about birth control and who should be responsible for it and all of that, whatever. There's pills that you can take. There's condoms that you can use. There's the rhythm method. There's ways that you can schedule it. I mean, you could, I know I'm old fashioned, but you could just abstain from sex until you're in a lifelong committed relationship with somebody, but no one is infringing upon your right to reproduce. We're simply saying after reproduction has happened, which is at conception, now we can talk about whether or not it's a life, we'll get to that at some point, but that is the reproductive act. A sperm and an egg have met, now reproduction has started. You've already reproduced. Nobody's trying to take that away from you. We're simply saying at this point, you've reproduced, now we have another human being to be considering. Uh, so yeah, when I hear you're taking away my reproductive choice, it's like, no, <laughs> nobody's telling you you can't have sex. We're just saying if you do, there's going to be natural consequences that follow after it. And uh, there should be some guidelines for how we for how we move through those. Yeah, I would agree 100%. And it's like, and it, you kind of touched on this earlier and again now, but it's like, you can't, you can't fix sin with more sin. Like, let's say somebody had premarital sex and, and something went not according to plan, uh, and then you end up getting pregnant. Well, you, you don't fix that with another sin. Like, you don't fix it by murdering the baby. Right. Everybody makes mistakes. I mean, that's that's the reality of life. Um, things are going to go that's as we David don't David and Uriah. Plan. What was that? David and Uriah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. In the Bible. That's, that's like, <laughs> the biblical fix example, one right. sin with another, with another. Yeah. Right. And, and the Bible very clearly highlights in narrative form that that's not, not the way to go about um, issues. And it, and it costs David greatly, obviously. But it's not like we don't fix sin with another sin. It's it's like worse than a Band-Aid solution. It's like, uh, I can't think of an analogy right now, but it's it's worse than a Band-Aid solution because you're fixing it with something else that is wrong. And that's not what, that's not what we're created to do. Um, now, we can, I guess, jump into the scientific side of things here, but how I wanted to ask the question, and that's because this is something uh, that I see very often now, and it's it was it was there before, but now it's especially I think because um, pro-choice people or abortion advocates or whatever they're on the other side of this now. I mean, of course, 
uh, abortion still legal in, in most of the country, like in, in most situations. But mm-hmm. uh, Roe versus Wade has now been overturned, and that was, of course, like the big talking point sort of thing. And and so now many pro-choice people are on the other side of the fence. Now they're not arguing from, well, this is this is federally uh, legal, and we're going to keep it that way because of this, this, and this. Now they're on the other side of it where it's like, oh, man, well, we need to do something because now now we're the ones who are on the side where what we want to happen isn't happening. And so um, what I've been seeing a lot, more than usual, far more than usual, is the don't force your religious views on others argument. Uh, that's great if you're mm-hmm. a Christian guy and you're against abortion because of quote-unquote religious reasons, but you can't force that on anybody else. And I know, I think you've been chomping at the bit to get to this one. And so you can you can start off here and I'll just chime in. But uh, what do we say to the person who says, well, I that's great for you and your religious views, but you can't force them on me? Unfortunately, I think that the, uh, the people who would make that claim, you can't force your religious views on me, are, are doing so in response to the fact that a lot of people are making this a religious issue. Um, and while I believe that every issue that faces humanity is in some way, shape, or form religious, that being that we have to deal with it through some kind of theological system in consideration of, uh, you know, a higher power as evangelicals, we believe that is Yahweh, God, uh, <laughs> Jesus, uh, we have to we have to deal with issues in light of that. Really, this issue doesn't need to be handled uh, from a religious angle first. And a lot of people, I think, that are Christians come to it that way and just say, you know, the Bible, whatever, is is against it. And then really, you know, I saw a friend of mine posting recently, and he said, Jesus never said anything about abortion. And it's like, well, <laughs> there's a lot of things that Jesus didn't say anything about, but it doesn't mean that, he's, that he was not against them. Uh, a lot of times, the things that Jesus didn't say anything about are because people knew, obviously, that he didn't need to say it's wrong to kill babies right. because everybody just knew that wasn't something that they were dealing with. Right, and, and he had already mentioned uh, it in the sixth commandment a little bit earlier. Right, right, right. So he was he was you know clearing up you know misinterpretations of people had homosexuality is another one. Jesus never said anything about homosexuality. Uh, that's because Jesus was primarily talking to the Jews and the Jews understood homosexuality was wrong. You know who did have a lot to say about homosexuality. Paul, because Paul was talking to a bunch of Gentiles, mm-hmm. a bunch of people who did not have a foundation in the biblical text. So anyway, yeah, no, Jesus doesn't say anything about it, and, and that's totally fine. The, the conversation does not need to be had in the religious or in the theological. You can have it there, but I think that's honestly a tertiary issue. I think that you start first with the scientific and then I would move to the moral, and then after that I would move to the to the theological or the religious. And scientifically speaking, you just start there, and then the first question that you just have to ask anybody who might be pro-choice or whatever is, where do you believe that life begins? When does life begin? When is a person afforded these constitutional rights that we're all arguing about, when do they become eligible to have their constitutional rights defended? At what point are we talking about a life here? And the difficulty with the question is, for a lot of people, it's really hard to say. For me, I cannot say it empirically. I cannot say specifically when life begins. I believe that it is at conception. I mean, you have the, uh, you know, a sperm and an egg uh, apart from themselves are going to do nothing except die. But when they come together, now all of a sudden they are working to stay alive and to continue to grow and turn into a human being. So at conception is where life 
begins. Now, when is a person conscious and all of those different things, and when should they actually be afforded human rights and all of that? It's a conversation to be had, but at the very least, I have never heard a definitive, very clear, very certain answer from anyone. So that means that we're dealing with something of an unknown. And if the unknown that we're dealing with is a human life, and if we're all saying that we value human life, but we're saying there's a certain amount of uncertainty, then we should probably err on the side of caution. We should probably err on the side of, uh, we can't really say for sure if this is a human being or not at this point. I'm not going to say. Uh, and, and if you can't say, then we should assume that it probably is a human life and that it probably should be defended and that it probably does have value. Now, there will be some people who will say it's when the heartbeat begins. It's when brainwave activity begins. And of course, all of those things are taking place most of them, well, the heartbeat, most of the time before a woman even knows that she's pregnant, you already have a heartbeat going on. So then that's going to make it difficult. I'm not entirely sure about the brainwave activity and when all that happens, but you can, okay, you can make that argument if you want to, but people need to at least be able to define the parameters by which they're making these claims. So it's one of the things to ask. I'm not, just tell people, I'm not making any kind of religious claim. This is a scientific claim. Scientifically, when do you believe that this sperm and this egg that came together are now a human life. At what point? And if they say, well, I'm not really sure, then you just say, well, then maybe we shouldn't be killing <laughs> the thing that we're not sure if it's a human or not. It seems pretty It seems pretty simple to me. Then you can move on to the moral argument after that. And then after that, again, the, the religious argument. But I don't think you even need to bring up the Bible. It's really interesting because it's mostly the pro-choice people who bring up the, they're the first ones to bring up the Bible. They're the first ones to say, don't force your religion on me. And I'm like, I'm not, I haven't said anything about any kind of religion yet. I have not brought, you brought up religion. I didn't bring up religion. Mm -hmm. I want to know when you think this thing is a human being. Or you could ask, you could also ask them, why uh, did you bring up religion? Now, I mean, I, I would also touch on the secular textbooks, like in public schools, um, they are very clear that, DNA, a life is now here at conception. A unique DNA is formed the moment of conception and from there on. Um, and, and I would mm -hmm. ask them, why are you, why are you bringing up religion? And then you can, and maybe it's what you mentioned earlier. Maybe they're saying, well, because I keep he, I keep hearing people say that uh, to me. Or it could be, who knows? Maybe you'll get into the the topic of that second one you mentioned of morality, which is you know, the moral argument. You can't. There's no such thing as right or wrong if uh, we are living apart from God. If God doesn't exist. Now, of course, that's silly even to say because the fool says in his heart there is no God, but you, you can't even have right and wrong apart mm -hmm. from God. So I, I, would, I would agree with you. I wouldn't start with that because it's not like every time we have a discussion about something, uh, we don't always start with saying because God exists, so-and-so is true. Um, I mean, we take things as true, and of course they can't be true if God doesn't exist, but we don't always start by saying um, God exists. That, that's, that's not the intention here. The intention is that um, the unborn is life. Okay, that's the question. The question is always, what is the unborn? That's what it always goes back to. Well, the unborn is life, unless mm -hmm. you can demonstrate otherwise. Um, and so that means we don't have the right to unjustly kill and take a human life uh, like I said, without justification. Um, that's that's really, right. I think, the core of the argument. And so, yeah, I would agree with you. We don't start with a religious argument. I don't think I've ever done that uh, on the topic of abortion. It's always wonderful when yeah. it ends up getting into religion and you have an opportunity to open a door to the gospel um, and maybe question that person on morality. And we'll do that in another episode. That's obviously not for today. But um, 
yeah, it starts as a scientific argument. It starts as we all have some sort of grounding we have to uh, we have to agree on murder and killing is wrong. That's the grounding, right? Um, like if somebody killed your family, you wouldn't just say, "Oh, well, they had this or that reason mm-hmm. to do it," so it's okay. Um, there's some sort of grounding we all have to agree on. And like I said in another episode, we'll talk about how that grounding can only be found in Christ and in Christianity. Apart from God, nothing has meaning. Um, but that's not what we're talking about when we get into the discussion of abortion. It may be the underlying thing in, in everything, um, but it's not the purpose of what we're doing when we bring up abortion. We're using a scientific argument that everybody um, either should agree on or does agree on to some degree. Yeah. Well, it's really interesting, too, because it like I mean, it almost is the pro choice position. It almost becomes completely arbitrary. It almost comes down to this life or potential life or whatever you want to call it only has value if the mother and say nothing about the father, too. I mean, we're talking about a woman's right. It takes a man and a woman to create a child in in. Every state, I believe, as far as I know, if a woman decides she wants to have an abortion, there is nothing that the father can say about that. There's nothing right. that the father can do. So the father's voices have been silenced this whole time. And it is not uncommon for some men to want to have the children and uh, the, the women decide that they want to have it aborted. And the, and the man is has there's nothing that he can do about it. There's nothing mm-hmm. he can say about the fact that his child is not going to now live. But if the woman should decide that she wants to have the baby, well, then the baby has choice and is considered a human being. And in the state of California, where they have some of the most uh, progressive abortion laws, abortion being legal up to the point of birth, is the same state where they still have the law that if someone murders a pregnant woman, they're charged with a double homicide. So mm-hmm. how... <laughs> How on earth, if we're talking about a clump of cells, which is akin to basically an organ, and it's just like having your spleen removed or something like that, uh, it's it's just a common procedure to just have this part of your body, my body, my choice, so it's just a part of your body, uh, but then if someone kills a woman who's pregnant, that's a double homicide. Like, mm-hmm. it, the the it's it's so completely arbitrary, it seems, when a life becomes valuable. It's like up to a person to decide whether or not this life has value. And there is no actual hard framework from which people are moving. And that's kind of the thing that I say. If people say you're putting your religious views or I'm hearing this argued from some religious, and I don't care about your Bible and I don't care about your God, I would say that's perfectly fine. You don't have to. Why don't you tell me from a scientific standpoint, where does life begin? Where, when does a person have intrinsic value at what point you explain that to me and we can move forward from there and then you can start to have the conversation from there but i mean most of the time they just try to shut it down with i don't care about your religion so you don't have an opinion here and it's like well that's only one aspect of this whole conversation and it's one that i would honestly advise most christians not even to bring up don't even bring it up if you're a christian don't bring your religion into it because it's you don't need to it's a tertiary issue so anyhow yeah, no, that's how I feel I, about it. No, I I would agree with you, and it, it's it's incredibly sad when somebody's uh, personal subjective standard for who else is either alive or not alive or human. I don't know if they believe they're 
aliens or what. I'm not going to straw man them here, but uh, like it, when when your standard is the less somebody cares about you, the less somebody values you and love you and loves you, then the less valuable you are. Like that is so contrary mm. to the biblical worldview, to the Christian worldview. Like where to care for victims, where to care for people who are looked down upon and who are trampled. I mean, Jesus spent so much time doing that. Uh, throughout the throughout the whole Bible, you see time spent on that. There are laws in place for that. And so, like to say the because nobody loves you, because nobody wants you, you are not valuable. Uh, we are here to tell you that that is not true. <laughs> that is that is that's not right. the Christian belief. Um, and, I'm, and I'm saying the Christian belief because that's obviously we see everything through the worldview of uh, or through the lens of, of Christianity. Um, but yeah, we, we, we just don't believe that. That's that's a horrible way to look at life. That's a terrible way to treat somebody else. Um, and it's something that needs to be rejected. And I, like, I just have this hope that in 50 years from now, we're going to look back if we're still here and say, oh, my goodness, like this was literally like they killed they killed 60 plus million babies over. 50 years like this is like a holocaust like a modern holocaust and i hope that that Mm -hmm. happens one day i hope that we can look back that people can repent for that they can turn to christ and um, obviously the gospel is for everybody there's no there's no sin that you could have committed that is too great for christ to forgive um we're we're all sinners paul called himself the the chief sinner the apostle paul so um, god's grace is sufficient for everybody and only his grace is sufficient for everybody um, when we're thinking it's okay to kill children and, and we may feel some sort of conviction about this, but then we convince ourselves, well, the child is con- inconvenient for me right now or, you know, fill in the blank. That's like, we know that's wrong. I think, and I think another, uh, just before we wrap it up here, this is just my, my last thought that when you look at Romans 1, it tells us that uh, people have suppressed the truth of the knowledge of God, that they've, they've suppressed it or in other words, pushed it far away from them. And I think that now that Roe is overturned, that's sort of being exposed. I think people are coming out and saying, wait a minute, it's that dirty old Bible that's telling us to do this. It's that old white religion, the the white evangelical religion. And of course, I would advise that you don't take the critical race bait on that. I can tell you about plenty of black and Hispanic preachers who are who are sound Christian people. This is not a white religion. <laughs> that's just that's just a poor talking point. The epicenter of Christianity has gone from the Middle East to Africa to Europe to now arguably Asia. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't don't take the critical race bait. That's just a silly a silly argument and a discussion that you don't need to fall into. But the gospel is for everybody. We have all suppressed the knowledge of God at some point um, in our lives. And, mm-hmm. and now for those of us who are redeemed and know Christ, it's not because we think that we're right or because we think we're great. It's because we understand even though we're not good, God is good. Um, and that is the joy yeah. we get to have as Christian believers, even though we were not perfect, even though we did every bad thing we could to our Father, He still loved us and He still adopted us into the family of Christ and redeemed us. So um, it's just amazing. The, the sufficiency of the gospel, the grace of the gospel. It is just, it is incredible. And it's something that as yeah. unbelievers and believers, we need every day. Believers need to be reminded every yeah. day. Yeah. And it's something too, that we need to, you know, as passionate as people might be. And I've seen some people get really, really passionate about um, the abortion issue, people who are pro uh, life. Um, and, uh, you know, it is it is an atrocity. I look at my son, you know, and I was talking to my wife like right after he was born and he's a few weeks old. And I was like, in some places like two weeks ago, 
it was okay to give him a lethal injection when he was still in the womb. Like, look at him. He's undeniably uh, a human being. And some people get really, really upset about that. And, and they, you know, consider it to be a, a, a travesty, a Holocaust, like you were saying. And, and it is in a lot of ways. I have not come to be quite that passionate about it. I don't know if that's just some lackadaisicalness about me or what it is. But <laughs> I just want you to know that for any of you who are out there who may have had an abortion in the past, uh, I have some people who are friends of mine that have, you know, and I've had conversations with them. There is there is grace. There is forgiveness. There is no sin that anyone can commit that is uh, bigger than the cross, that is bigger than what Jesus did for us. And even if you hear people talking about this and how horrible it is, uh, no matter how horrible anything you have ever done, there is always forgiveness. And I really appreciate you bringing that up here um, at the end, Nick, because it is something, too, that we need to realize as evangelicals and as people who are tend to be pro-life, that we do need to have compassion about this issue, because there's lots of women who have felt they were in a position where they didn't have any other choice, uh, pro-choice. <laughs> they think they didn't have one except to do what it was that they had to do. They've been talked into it. Some of them were pressured into it. Some of them just thought they were actually making the, the best choice for themselves and for their family or whatever it was at the time. It it doesn't it doesn't matter. Uh, there's forgiveness for you. Jesus loves you, um, and I. Every single one of us needs forgiveness. Um, so please don't feel judged or castigated uh because you're not there's there's room at the cross for everyone mm -hmm. and and nobody can go back in time as we touched on with that meme earlier but uh god will restore the years the locusts have eaten that is a promise um that we have he is the one who is sufficient to mm -hmm. save us and um it is almost uh unbelievable how wonderful the gospel is well thank you dr chris gates so much again for joining us don't forget to check out the ravel podcast that'll be in the description below yeah, man. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. Well, thank you for listening to The Universe Next Door. Another thing you can do both for the gospel and for the fight against abortion is to share this podcast and specifically this episode with a friend. Um, it can help you to start a conversation and it certainly helps us to get our content out there. That is one way to support the show. Uh, secondly, thank you so much for those of you who give and donate to The Universe Next Door. It really goes a long way. This podcast, of course, is not free to run. Uh, so thank you for making that possible. There's a link in the description for support down below that will bring you to a uh, page to donate. And also, if you would support us through prayer, uh, that would just be incredible. Thank you so much for those of you who continually pray for us in the success of this show, not just success in numerical standards, but for those who are hearing the gospel and learning to defend it better and receive it for themselves. So thank you so much for that. And we'll see you back here next week, 6 p.m. Monday night on The Universe Next Door.